0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Arjun Patel, a fellow trainee solicitor at Baker McKenzie. In this episode, Arjun and I discuss navigating life as a trainee, what training contracts are really like, advice he'd give to other junior lawyers, the different types of work commercial lawyers can do, and how to make the most of your own personal development during your training. Let's get into it. So hi Arjun, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: No worries. Thanks, Harry. Thank you very much for having me
0: it's a pleasure to have you here i know this isn't our first podcast collaboration that we've done together and i've seen you in and around various virtual events uh given sure. the current situation with bakers um but it's great to have you and to chat about something which is certainly re- really relevant to me right now as i sit here recording this um just finishing my training contract induction and about to look forward to two years of a whole bunch of working and very important decisions with navigating seat selection everything else um, of course and to have someone like yourself here to shed some light not just for me but for listeners who are perhaps looking to break into law um, mm-hmm. It's going to be a really insightful episode, but before we get too much into that, a nice kind of icebreaker question I like to ask people when they come on is, why did you originally want to be a lawyer in the first place and what sort of inspired you to join the profession and your sort of background to date?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, I think from when I was about secondary school and then transitioning into college, I think for me, what what I was looking for is I was looking for a career that was kind of not necessarily something that you would be doing the same thing on a day-to-day basis. Um, I wanted mm-hmm. a career that was quite dynamic and... Looking kind of through my interest in history and um, some of the debating uh, things I done, I had a natural kind of kind of glean for advocacy. So I thought, okay, maybe something around kind of speaking or public speaking that allowed my job to do it. And then, as I looked to do it more and more, I found that law kind of had a really good intersection of kind of some of the areas of advocacy, but also you have um, an impact on whether it be helping um, a small client with something, whether it be mm. helping a big client with something, and then. As well, it's not just helping big corporations and things like that, you also can have a social impact, whether it be through pro bono or helping someone with um, a small task. So I think kind of a dynamism of being able to have an impact on different levels, but then also having a job that's quite dynamic for me kind of was a really good mix and and kind of law um, kind of fit that all perfectly. And I guess in terms of my background, looking at it. I didn't have uh, that many people in my family that were in professional education or people that had, had made it to high levels within the commercial world so I think um, when I was looking around kind of for inspiration and things to look for I it, it was very much I actually actively tried to find people whilst at university or other platforms to try kind of be, be my mentors or, or mm-hmm. speak to people so I, I would definitely encourage for those listening um, just because you don't necessarily have all the opportunities available to you there are numerous platforms like individuals like yourself with, with with all the work that you that you put out. But um, always look to what your universities are doing, look to uh, platforms that can give you uh, advice on little bits on practice areas and things like that. So definitely utilize all the resources that you have in front of you that can helpfully um, allow you to kind of achieve your dreams in whatever career opportunity they may be
0: fantastic excellent interview answer if i was recruiting that's a thumbs up in my in my checklist <laughs> thank um, you very much and i'm sure that everyone get, gets asked why they want to do law on a daily basis but um mm-hmm. no appreciate it that's that's a really useful insight and i guess another really killer question as to why you're here today is is what is a training contract really like or what is being a trainee solicitor all about i think it's admittedly quite scary when you're a first year student second year Mm -hmm. student and all of these firms rock up on your campus and say apply to us be a commercial sister um do a training contract um when you know in your day-to-day curriculum at university you've not really got that exposure to what it really involves so um i guess just based on your own experiences like you sort of mentioned what's a training contract really like and what's the sort of day-to-day of an average trainee
1: sure so i guess um kind of a, a bit of a background so i started my training contract um in march of this year in 2020 so i've just finished my first seat i will be moving into my second seat uh come monday um and i guess kind of i, I, I had that same kind of uh i don't know issue of thinking how do i translate what i've learnt into theory and I think very much the the role of the trainee there is to very much kind of learn I think first and foremost you're there as a trainee and that's and that's what your job title is um you're there to learn kind of soak up as much knowledge and experience as you can so that um two years after and down the line when you do qualify you are and then able to kind of talk to clients with a lot more confidence and kind of be seen to as the individual that can lead on different matters so I think first and foremost, your role as a trainee should be there to just soak up as much as you can knowledge. And and that will very kind of very much inform as to how you will kind of structure your, your training contract moving forward. So are you someone mm-hmm. that enjoys tasks that are very much into the kind of the black and white area of law? Or are you someone that enjoys kind of maybe bigger project management thinking, so maybe more transactional focus management? Or maybe that someone's a little bit more kind of advocacy focus enjoy kind of making arguments helping kind of the contentious side so I think first and foremost it, it's very much about learning and then I think secondly kind of what does it what does it mean to be a trainee as well it's it, it's it's very much supporting the team around you mm. um, as a junior member of the team it's there to kind of help support your team uh, whether it be on a particular matter or a deal or, or anything that's going on um, and even then if it, it, it doesn't always have to be help or doesn't always have to be there to help a client. It can be there to help also help kind of internal team function. So whether it be any div- business development matters or currently um, well, in my previous IP tech seat, which, which was what I was in, we were very much big on doing kind of social events and gatherings given kind of COVID and how I, w- I w- was very much working at home. They wanted to make sure you as a trainee felt a part of the team. So making sure that you did socials, quizzes, bingos, things like that. So. I guess very much as well, being a being a team member is is a really big part of being a trainee and making sure that you're there to support others in the team so that a you can get the best out of the work, which leads into the kind of the first point of learning. And then secondly, um, you build a kind of strong connection within your when you, in your department and team, hopefully, which will then kind of see you through kind of um, through your two years. And I guess, finally, um, as a trainee, it, it very much kind of puts it puts everything into perspective. It, mm-hmm. it it kind of helps you solidify all those hours that you studied learning about a particular concept. How does that actually translate into the real world? How do I put a, a particular piece of legislation that I learned in, in year one of contract law? How does that actually work in reality w- with a client that's looking to you for a particular matter? So I think... What has been really good as a trainee as well is just being able to see things, how they actually play out in real life and how does things and how do kind of the mechanics of, of a business work, especially within kind of the world of commercial law. You're helping businesses on a day to day basis. And it's just kind of seen all the hidden things behind the business and how it runs, it operates. Um, what it kind of what it, how, how do you help in your legal function, help them succeed? So I think kind of those kind of three things of learning, supporting, and then putting things into practice is what I would kind of encapsulate your role as a trainee is like, and kind of how you develop through that process.
0: Mm. I think I think that's such a good breakdown, and uh, even in my
1: admittedly extremely short tenure, into my
0: training contract, of the induction, everything else, it's already been so clear to me just through. The sheer number of opportunities when it comes to getting involved with uh you know business development or marketing and mm-hmm. um you know the recruitment side of things or doing pro bono and corporate social responsibility but there's so much more to being a trainee than doing typical trainee tasks of due diligence and everything else yes. um and i certainly think your latter point on terms of the shift of focus when it comes to taking the academic approach you might have done conceptually understanding something in university through to actually delivering it on a client matter and thinking much more commercially about what it is you're doing. Um, again, is, is an, another message that I think is slowly introduced to you on the LPC, but certainly really emphasized um, throughout your TC as well. Especially with
1: that commerciality element, you'll find that um, obviously the law says one thing and you, you can then take that to your client, but then the clients obviously are wanting to do 110 different things. And they, they're always, and you always have to have your commercial hat on and think, right. In reality, this might be what the law says but in practice this is what you can do and this is what will actually help achieve your client goal because you always have Mm -hmm. to think any piece of advice or anything that you work on how is it going to help achieve my client's goal because if you're not kind of helping achieve um, their goal then the client's going to come back to you and think well, I'm not really going to be kind of looking for your advice later on. I'm not really gonna be hiring you again, because if you're if you're not helping me, then why should I help you? So I think, as mm. you said, that, that commercial element is arguably one of the, the, probably the most important skills that you're going to have to kind of switch and develop, as you said, going from just academia and understanding, this is how I analyze something to now, how do I really put that into practice? And I would definitely say for those, um, that have been fortunate enough to get training contracts or, um, or or anything like that. Definitely try experience different industries before you start your training contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really does inform your ability to kind of draw on those experiences and those skills. And that will make you arguably to some extent, maybe a better trainee um, when when you're kind of working on a piece of advice, because you can think, oh yeah, when I was, I don't know, working in a department store or when I was working for a bank, um, e- even as a cashier, I know these are what the process is or these are what people in the business are going through on a day-to-day basis how is it my advice is going to help them implement what they need to because mm. if my advice isn't practical or is not commercial it's not going to make any sense for people in the business and it's just going to come against a brick wall so definitely have a variety of experiences before you start or before you go down the path of becoming a trainee because that will very much inform Um, kind of things that you do beyond that and you'll find now I think a lot of um, especially a lot of the lawyers that I that I speak to in the team they they always say do a variety of things before you can get into very much kind of your training contract because it will just make you that much more of a diverse individual in terms of your thinking the way that you approach things and hopefully it will translate to you becoming um, a good trainee. Mm
0: -hmm. No I'd, I'd absolutely second that I think one of the most eye-opening things to me in terms of just how an office generally works and how businesses function it was a very basic like office admin role I did you know helping the finance and accounting department with their database management doing some sort of really basic invoicing and, and just kind of seeing the, the kind of cogs behind how businesses get paid and how their finance works has, has mm-hmm. been really useful to me you know on my journey throughout law because you can kind of see how you know if you tell a client this is the situation and this is this is the, the position you're going to be in they then have to take that back to their team and try to influence that decision and follow it through that way so yeah no, absolutely i i definitely agree with your point on using your other experiences to supplement what you're doing as well
1: yeah because as well i would also say like your other experience you might never know where you can tap into things that you've done previously that will actually build a rapport with the client because if the client is able to see oh you actually understand my business you understand my perspective or some of the challenges that i go through on a day-to-day basis that will in turn spark some sort of conversation which will which will hopefully delete kind of build into a better relationship so again those are kind of things that I think you're going to be developing as a trainee, but if you're able to have those kind of softer foundation skills at the start, it definitely won't hurt you to, to, to kind of implement them further on when you're doing a training contract.
0: Looking to learn more about the legal profession? Produced in collaboration with graduate recruitment, partners and trainees of the firm, Baker McKenzie's Trainee Test podcast series aims to give you an insight into what it's like to work on deals and transactions within an international commercial law firm explore different practice areas through a variety of case study exercises and learn firsthand from senior lawyers about what they look for from junior talent. You can listen and subscribe to the series now on your podcast platform of choice by simply searching for Trainee Test or by clicking on the links in this episode's description. Also, be sure to keep up to date with the latest updates straight from the firm's graduate recruitment about open days, events, application windows and more by following them on Instagram at Baker McKenzie London Graduates. And you mentioned at the beginning of, of one of the sort of first questions I asked you, the mm-hmm. sort of trying to find your identity as a trainee and trying to understand what it is that you enjoy, whether it's the sort of more contentious or non-contentious what you're doing. And I think the vast majority of training contracts, if not all of them, will have some degree of seat selection that trainees can go through. Yes. Um, and certainly with Bakers, it's a it's a pretty tough 15 ranking system that I had mm-hmm. to go through to try to understand what seats um, I wanted to do. Um, how What was your sort of insight into people who are perhaps don't know anything about different practice areas in these umbrella terms like contentious versus non-contentious or those who are looking to kind of go through the seat selection process themselves how did you sort of choose between the seats and departments that interested you
1: i think um i think i just started at a very foundational level so um i looked at kind of the subjects that that i did at university so um I was fortunate enough to have done um, a cyber law module in my third year also with an intellectual property law module. Mm-hmm. I also did an international law module, um, areas of commercial law and things like that. So I would say as of, at, maybe at a foundation level, look at kind of some of the topics that you've done at university. What are the, at its core basic, where have you found kind of a, a, or a natural affinity with, with some of the subjects? Because I think it's, it's easy to kind of think, oh, I need to know exactly where I need to kind of what department I I need to go into or what kind of law I'm, I'm being. But if you kind of step, take a step back with most things and think, right, what do what what am I naturally curious about or what do I naturally like? That way, I think you'll be able to then already organically come up with kind of practice areas and teams that will maybe be a little bit more aligned to yourself rather than kind of fighting what your kind of inner innermost thoughts were. So I think from a from a kind of First standpoint, I looked to the subjects I did, which would very much inform kind of the practice areas that I then wanted to get involved in. And I think um, when uh, kind of the second stage of that has been very much when I was going through the um, the application process and I was looking at different firms and I was researching firms. Naturally, there were some departments that stood out to me a lot more because of potentially what the firms were kind of pushing forward in their brochures, in their leaflets or in their news alerts and I, I and i wanted to be part of teams that very much had of um kind of going back to what i said at the start of the podcast kind of had a dynamic environment where things weren't always going to be the same and mm-hmm. that that is very much true um across multiple teams but i think there are so some of the areas that i'm naturally um uh, kind of aligned to that have a very dynamic client base but also the dynamic area of the work that they that that they're going to be doing also aligns with that so um, things that I, I would always look at, for example, Chambers in practice is is incredible resource. It just gives you um, a, a basic understanding of what it, of kind of what each department does. But then all that foundational knowledge is is great. But the best thing to do is just speak to someone that's in the firm. Mm-hmm. If you're able to speak to someone, whether it be um, a virtual open day as they're all becoming or if you're able to kind of speak to someone at your university that may have been um, a lawyer in their previous life or had a legal function in their in their previous life, what again, it, it's all about what does it mean to talk about what I've what I've seen the words on the words on the screen, how does that really translate to, to your actual working day life and I, I, I actively tried during my time whilst I was at university and after I graduated before signing my training contract to kind of to speak to as many different people as I could mm-hmm. so that I was informed as to what areas I could do what what I would like maybe areas that I could try explore and then kind of again that kind of informed where my decision was um in terms of ranking different departments and seats um and then I guess as well it always it. it um, I kind of also chose tactically because um, Baker's is very, so, so uh, is kind of moving towards a very kind of transactional focus at the moment where we, we are still one of the, I guess, one of the bigger firms for kind of a lot of cross border work. And the London team, especially the London office, has been kind of hiring a lot of um, corporate MA lawyers or mm-hmm. um, insolvency lawyers from other teams to kind of build up our London presence. So I, I saw that for myself as like, okay. If the firm is moving towards this direction, it would maybe be a good idea to kind of have a, I guess, kind of have a think or an understanding of what, it, why is the firm moving in that direction? What are the areas do I see myself potentially becoming in the next five years time? Mm-hmm. What are the industries? What are the clients that are gonna become the next big Amazons or the titans of the world? And if I'm able to kind of align myself here and now then will that kind of help me later on in my career development? And again, that's that's something that you—it's it, a very personal thing that you do, and it, no one's going to get it right the first time. I mean, I'm—I can't say that I, I've got it right, or I will get it right. Um, I only—I'm—I'm I'm only projecting what I what I think and what I consider are going to be areas that I want to get involved in. It might just be the case that I think I'm going to be this, and then two years later, once I've completed my training contract, I become a totally different lawyer. But I think kind of those those things of what you can do at the foundational level speaking to people and then looking at potentially what the firm is doing has very much informed the practice areas and the departments that I want to go down
0: no fantastic Uh, a comprehensive view that I think that will be useful for even people coming into law and wanting to enter it versus those who are still practicing now and perhaps tying up what they're going to do for their sort of second third fourth seat as well definitely Um, and then I guess you can't record a podcast these days without talking about COVID and the impact it sort of had with, with mm-hmm. working life. And uh, that's certainly a case for law. I've, I've seen articles about some law firms going fully remote and, you know, becoming virtual and completely shuttering their offices and uh, conversely others, you know, keeping their offices open, and encouraging people to come in. Um, what's your sort of experience been going from a, a, a more expected and traditional trainee office environment to transitioning to working from home and the pros and cons and, and the kind of working starts had to change as a result of all of that for you?
1: Sure. So um, we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, but Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned, so I I started my training contract in March of 2020. So six months um, ago, and I started very much thinking that it was going to be okay. I did four days of my induction in the office and then (laughs) um, come the Monday, the straight after I, we, we immediately got all sent home. Uh, We had a firm wide message to say, we're taking this very seriously. So immediately my mindset was one of okay this is it this is the start of your training contract gearing myself up to be in the office because that's why i'll be most of the time to now having to think okay my my living room or my uh, or or my kind of my desk my bedroom is my mm. office this is mm. this is the these four walls are going to dictate what i'm going to be looking at for the majority of my time for the next six months and i think for the first month what i found um quite difficult was kind of having that clear separation of work and home life balance because whilst you're working at home you're it's kind of very much all-encompassing you're you'll log on in the morning you you'll do your work throughout the day but then even when you log off at night you still think okay I, I can still see my laptop there in earshot I can still see things coming in oh I could just log on for maybe a little bit more just to blast through some of them and then a little bit mm-hmm. more becomes like another couple of hours and you think oh I've spent my entire week I've spent my entire evening again working more when technically I should have just switched off and I think more and more as I kind of became more comfortable in the team and I realized kind of different people's working styles and patterns I could then realize right I don't necessarily have to be online all the time and I don't think it's it's healthy even even if you're in the office to be constantly online Mm -hmm. yes there will be times that you will need to be online because there's a particular matter that is happening that requires your attention but it doesn't kind of benefit your mental health and your well-being um to be always on and always active because there. are you need to kind of save your energy for when it really matters because no one's going to thank you for when you're burnt out after the process and, you're, and then you're then no good to someone so I think one of the biggest transition was just trying to figure out I guess kind of where is that kind of work and home life balance and I think one of the biggest things uh, potentially one of the benefits um, I guess from a training yeah from a training perspective has been very much if you're working at home you can kind of to a certain extent kind of set your own agenda, your, your, your schedule, barring any meetings and calls and deadlines that you have. But like, for example, um, if you need just just take a walk, um, just to clear your head, you're, mm-hmm. you you have the kind of the flexibility and the ability to do that. You can just go take a walk up and down the street. Or for those that are lucky enough to have some sort of garden environment with some natural green shrubbery, you can just mm-hmm. go take a walk in the garden, just sit there and just think, OK, for 10 minutes, I've got nothing, nothing to no screens or anything in front of me just relax calm down okay a reset I'll, I'll get back to it whereas maybe sometimes potentially in the office it's it's again it's a little bit all-encompassing it's a little all, all a little bit suffocating so that may that mean it's it's a little bit hard to do that but I feel as though at home I've been able to kind of develop a good enough routine where I, I have times where I'm working and then I can take times where I just think okay a little bit of a reset just relax and then get back to it and then um one of the biggest things obviously has been very much kind of the social aspect the interaction that you will have with um your colleagues your peers your training intake and, and your cohort i think that's that's arguably still one of the hardest things people are still trying to get to grips with um although you can do numerous zoom calls and you can do catch-ups and things like that over skype or whatever platform that you want to use mm-hmm. it's still kind of a physical interaction of seeing someone there in front of you is something that's quite hard to replicate and during the um during my six months I wasn't able to meet any any members of the team up until uh last Friday where I got to actually go into the office and meet my supervisor for the very first time so it had been effectively my entire seat and I'd only got to meet my supervisor for the first time in person although we'd, we <laughs> we would always have our catch-ups um every week, and, and, and he always he would always he was always aware of what I was doing but to physically meet him in person be like hi this is me. This is you. We, just talking about things. I think that's that. That's a real difficult connection to kind of um, mimic or or, or try to do over Zoom or things like that. Whereas having a physical interaction is is really important. And also, mm. um, I saw um, a great person on on LinkedIn about um, a senior lawyer at a firm. He he talked about something called kind of tacit knowledge, which is the idea that especially if if you work within professional services, whether it be legal. Um, economics, tax, or, or consultancy, that ability to be in the office and just learn from what people are saying around you. Although you might not necessarily take it all in, it will something somewhere will just stick within you and you will have that understanding and, and that awareness because people are doing it and talking about a, a particular topic that they're passionate about or helping with a particular matter that they're passionate about. And just all of these things kind of around you will help make you a kind of a, a more informed individual on on whatever you're doing and I think again when you're at home potentially you're kind of isolated um, from other people and what they're doing and I think it, it, it's difficult to kind of get that hub of knowledge all flowing around you whereas when you're at home it's just you your laptop and you're kind of just just working furiously away and you you, you might not necessarily feel that you've got the support out there Mm. Um, because everyone's um, kind of, I don't know, away um, on a different screen, whereas when you're in the office, you can physically see people there. So I think it's definitely been a real shift, but for me personally, I think as well, it's been a good, it's been a very good learning experience for me because I've, I've become a lot more independent through it. I've not, naturally, I've always been an independent person, but as well, if, I, if I've kind of seen this as a good opportunity to think, right, I've been able to do six months away from kind of some sort of a, um, a support structure physically having people in person but now i can do this in six months i now have a lot more confidence in kind of asking people for certain things but also confidence to just do things on my own and kind of seek out the answers on my own then rather than necessarily turning to someone always to say how do i do this how do i do that whereas it's kind of forced me to think you know what you're gonna have to figure it out for yourself and this is what it, what it's going to be like because um in two years time when you qualify as an associate it's going to be up to you a certain extent you will obviously have a a support structure there around you but people will start looking to you for the answer so certain kind of i guess covid has kind of helped maybe for me personally focus myself a little bit more on taking some aspects of responsibility and being like right it's just you why don't you try figure this out for yourself because once you once you learn it and once Mm -hmm. you figure it out you are always going to remember it rather than always having to go to someone for the answer why don't you try figure it out for yourself so i think in a roundabout way i've tried to put as positive as a spin as i can on it while still kind of highlighting some of the things that i went through as a trainee i guess other trainees will have other ways of experiencing things but those are kind of just kind of a snapshot of, of some of the things that i went through over the course of this uh, the last six months really
0: mm. no fantastic and i guess one final question which is quite important going forward is what's your ideal work office home setup going in 3 to 4 days a week what's your sort of if you could pick and choose where, where yeah you
1: see it? i think for me um exactly that i think potentially 2 to 3 days a week in the office would be great um because again it's i, I think these are incredibly unprecedented in times prior to my i guess, i guess prior to the start of this year trainees wouldn't necessarily be allowed to be at home because for and, and for a good reason as a trainee in your title you should be there to be supervised but i think mm-hmm. As I mentioned we because we've done six months at home we can now actually kind of stand on our own two feet and do things a way that we don't always feel as though we have to be kind of mollycoddled or kind of always have someone behind us we can do things on our own and I think for me personally having that flexibility of doing a couple of days in the office where I'm around people but then also having that um, ability to kind of figure out your own schedule, do things. Um, I can maybe potentially get up or have a little bit of a longer lie-in. So again, that's that's good for your kind of mental always health. A plus. <laughs> or, again, yeah, always a plus. I think for me, two, three days a week is a is, is a good medium because that way then I get some sort of interaction. But then at the same time, I can still have flexibility to a certain extent of my schedule and things that I want to do.
0: Absolutely. Well, hopefully, whether it's in person or again on another Zoom call, <laughs> I'll hopefully see, you seen, um, and be able to chat more with you then. But thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with myself today, Arjun, on this of podcast. Course. It's been great to speak with you. Um, where can people go to learn more about yourself and everything we've we've sort of been talking about today?
1: Yeah, so I guess um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I I'm a professional ambassador for um, aspiring solicitors. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those that don't know, Aspiring Solicitors is one of the UK's largest diversity organisations helping and trying to get as many diverse lawyers um, into the legal profession. So um, I'm, they were instrumental in helping me secure my training contract. And for me, it's 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 only right to give back to an organisation that has been so instrumental to me. So mm-hmm. definitely find me on the Aspiring Solicitors platform. And hopefully I'll be seeing um, prospective applicants on a variety of open days that I intend to be helping out uh, with Baker McKenzie so yeah hope to see uh, a lot of you there fantastic well thanks so much for taking the time today our James great to speak with you no worries thank you very much Harry
0: thanks so much for listening to another installment of the more from law podcast if you want to keep up to date with the show and make sure you never miss an episode be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and sign up to my newsletter over at www.harryclarklaw.com you can also follow me on most social media channels at the handle Harry Law. If you enjoyed the show, please give it a rating and a review on the iTunes store, as this helps others learn about the show, and be sure to share it with your networks. You can also support the show by donating to my Patreon, which helps support the running and production costs of the show. For now though, I'll see you in the next episode of More From Law.